Welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and this show is about taking the mystery out of women's hormonal issues and struggles and shedding light on ways that you can reclaim your hormones and reclaim you. Today's episode, PCOS, let's take a deep dive and stop the madness. So today's show, we will take a deep dive into one of the most prevalent hormonal endocrine disorders for women of childbearing age, impacting up to 20% of women. It's the number one cause of infertility and 50 to 70% of women with PCOS are undiagnosed, and most women don't find out until their 20s and 30s. And actually today, I spoke to a young woman, and uh, she had been on birth control for 10 years and had acne, and I said, had anyone diagnosed you with PCOS? And she said, no. I said, well, that's what you're describing right now. So she's coming in next week. And I hear this all the time. And today, I have the lovely um, opportunity to have as my guest um, my client, Jessica. She has a powerful story about her journey through PCOS. And so many of my listeners, I really think you're going to resonate and bond with her. She's truly amazing. So Jessica, I want you to say hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and uh, I will bring her on in a, just a couple of minutes, but wanted to give a little background to what PCOS is. And PCOS, and I'm really having a hard time saying that today, or a polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's an imbalance of your sex hormones. It's when uh, insulin resistance or insulin levels that are elevated drive your ovaries to produce excess androgens, specifically testosterone. And this interferes with a woman's ability to ovulate. And also, I want to point out something that not everyone who has polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, has ovarian cyst. And these androgens impede the ovaries' ability to mature follicles into eggs and ovulate. So, Jessica, I want you to share your story and give your background, you know, who you are, what you do, and what your journey's been about. It's, it's pretty extraordinary. Sure. So... I'm a teacher, and through our state wellness program, we um, every year get tested. Uh, we can, you know, elect for more blood tests if we feel that our health is off. Uh, and I did that every year. And every year, I came back with like semi-normal results. Uh, and then I got to my sixth or no, my fifth year of teaching. Uh, I knew I was overweight. I knew I wasn't feeling well. I knew that I was tired, like chronically always. But, you know, I just told myself, well, I'm a teacher. I'm stressed. Everyone's tired. We're just living in this, this society where we just go about our day and we're just tired and that's just normal. Um, but this time I got results back that showed that my liver enzymes were off, right. which scared me. That was a new thing. I'd never heard of anyone having that or like saw that on my own. Um, my blood sugar was really high, um, which I suspected because like I said, I was pretty overweight and I was feeling weird, like lightheaded, groggy. Uh, and both of my parents were pre-diabetic. So I knew the symptoms from them. And um, diabetes runs in my family type too, um, mostly from, you know, being overweight or um, also just that chronic, I think that disposition of having that genetically and then, you know, doing things the wrong way health-wise. Uh, what else was off? I, my skin was out of control, um, but really those tests are what brought me into trying to find someone. 
um, I looked up and I was just really just frustrated with, um, what I had dealt with with, and we'll talk about that in a little mm-hmm. bit, but what I dealt with with healthcare previously, mm-hmm. um, I was always, you know, paying a lot of money and getting no answers, um, or paying a lot of money and not getting the support that I felt that I needed or, um, just not getting to the root cause and nothing was changing. Uh, so I literally went on my computer and I Googled like holistic women's care and I just wanted to find someone. And I had looked into acupuncture for infertility, um, cause I had heard from friends that had PCOS that they had done that and that it helped them. Um, so I looked into that and I found Meg. So I get online, I look through her website. And I'm like, you know, of course being very critical. Cause at this point I'm just, you know, I, I don't believe anyone can help me. Um, and I see that she's doing all the things that I'm really like looking for, or you were doing all the things I was mm-hmm. really looking for. Uh, so I called in and I left you a message and you called me back within like an hour. Um, and you're like, so has anyone ever told you you have PCOS? And I was like, what, what is this woman talking about? Uh, no, no, but yes, but kind of, you know, I had been to an OB, um, recently, uh, because I was having, um, Irregular periods. Right. Uh, And they said to me um, that I might have cysts on my ovaries. So they immediately, uh, from just that, no blood test or anything, said, let's do an internal sonogram. $800 later, I was told that I didn't have (laughs) cysts on my ovaries and that uh, both of my ovaries were there and they looked great, which was nice to know. But I, again, had no answers. Um, So now I just am like this and I don't know why. so I told Meg all this and she was like, okay, you need to come in and we need to work together. We need to talk. Um, so I went in and you had a lot of questions. You asked Mm -hmm. me about, um, antibiotics and my uses. That was like one of the first questions you asked me. Yeah. I, I, you know, a lot with what I see with PCOS is the back history on a lot of these women is that they've had a history of antibiotics. And one of the reasons why for treating acne. Right. 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 So I I did use antibiotics in college Mm -hmm. to treat my acne and it worked. Um, but I developed a, I think like a resistance or an allergy Mm -hmm. to doxycycline. I think that's how you say it. Um, where it actually, my hands would break out if I went into the sun, my hands and my face would get like inflamed and red. Mm -hmm. Um, so I used those for, I mean, years, at least two years to try to tame the acne that I was having. Right. I, and, and I'm not just talking about like a pimple here and there. Cause a lot of people say, well, I have acne too. It, it's not the same. So I would have cysts on my shoulders yeah. and cysts on my chest. Um, and that's how it started. And then they, on my freshman year in college, they went to my face and I would have these huge, just like painful, um, inch long cysts down the side of my chin. And I still have scarring from that. Yeah. Um, and it got much worse when I turned 18, right. When I was in college, um, for the first year. And, you know, now that I'm thinking back to it, like my nutrition was the worst that had ever been at 18 first year in college. I was no longer eating my mom's like well-prepared meals. Like I was eating whatever was in front of me. Um, so that may have had something to do with it as well. Um, but prior to that antibiotics wise, I mean, I was on an antibiotic at least once a year cause I mm-hmm. had, uh, upper respiratory infections and asthma that would right. turn into either sinus infections or upper respiratory infections. And that was constant my entire life. You can ask my mom <laughs> even back to, um, when I was a child, like before, I could even speak, I was having reactions to food that would develop into um, allergies and then they would prescribe antibiotics and I would get better, but then, you know, it would just continue. So at this point, um, when I'm seeing Meg, I'm using 
at that point, a year ago, I was using Advair inhaler and Vinylin inhaler, Rescue inhaler. You came to me, was it May of, around May of 18, yep. 2018, mm-hmm. and now it's uh, close to uh, end of July right. of 19. Yeah. And yeah, at that point, I was using that Advair inhaler every single day yep. um, just so I could breathe. Yeah. Uh, it got pretty bad over that summer because I was um, traveling out of country and in China, the air quality is pretty bad. So I was using it quite regularly then as well. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest issue is my skin, irregular periods. Uh, my lungs were all messed up. And depression and anxiety. Absolutely. That was so huge. that's constant. So since I, I can remember mm-hmm. middle school, high school, I didn't know I had anxiety, but I did. So I have vivid memories of walking into one of my first days of high school and just being drenched in sweat and being like, this is so embarrassing because I'm drenched in sweat. But I had no idea I was having a panic attack. Like that wasn't normal. That wasn't just my body being gross. I told myself my body's just being gross, but I was having anxiety attack. And now that I know that, like I can, there are a lot of things that I can so at that time when you came in to see me, what was your diet like? Uh, normal American diet. That's the excuse I'm going to use. Um, it wasn't great. I, as soon as I got those lab test results, I went to a, what I thought was a healthy diet. Um, and then you, you sternly corrected me pretty quickly. Um, but so I was eating salads with lots of dressing. You know, I was eating, um, trying to eat as many whole foods as possible. I was still having sugar intake here and there. I think I told you that I did a smoothie thing for a while and you're like, no, you can't do that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that soon. But, um, I was following someone on Instagram that was like, oh, if you drink smoothies for every morning and every, um, lunchtime, and then you eat like a a solid dinner, like you'll lose weight, which is true. Um, but I don't think that it made me very healthy because I was literally just consuming fruit um, at the very beginning of the day um, with maybe some protein depending on what I was eating. So that's what I thought was healthy. Um, and it definitely was better than what I was doing before that test, which was eating anything that I could get available and to drinking. Me. Yeah, and drinking. So, I mean, since I will say, since I legally could drink, which is not true <laughs> since before that, um, I have enjoyed a beverage. And I think that's a lot of how I um, dealt with stress too. Mm-hmm. Um, through college, you know, you you finish an exam and you go have a drink with your friends. And it's just part of the American culture, especially in Charleston right. too. It's part of Charleston culture. Yeah, it's a big part of Charleston. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to talk about when Jessica came to see me, um, you were 100 pounds more than what you presently are. Mm-hmm. So over the past year, That's an incredible accomplishment. Mm -hmm. When working with women with PCOS, I think it's really, there's so many, there's like so many fires going on. And the first thing that I usually address with any woman and with PCOS, if there's a chronic history of antibiotics, if somebody is on antibiotics and they're getting infections or they're on, what were you taking at the time? I forgot. Advair. Advair. Mm -hmm. So what I addressed at that time was, trying to resolve uh, this chronic infection. And we put you on supplements for that. Mm -hmm. We focused on, um, actually, I think what's very interesting is one of the products I put you on was, um, had berberine in it. And it was called Candibactin BR. Mm -hmm. Berberine is fabulous because it's great for uh, resolving bacterial overgrowth in the gut, but it also helps women with insulin resistance to stabilize their insulin. So I'm really, I feel a lot of the women that come in to see me, including yourself, have a lot of leaky gut issues going on. 
And there's a lot of overgrowth of bacteria and yeast. And why is that? Well, the standard American diet has a lot of processed foods and sugars. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, how, so we did that for, I, I think we did that for about four weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have a question for you, Meg, yeah. for people that may not, because it's not something you can see. So like what's, what's something that someone could look for? Like I know that I was inflamed and now I know that I, that inflame, inflammation was due to that chronic infection. So what could somebody be like looking for in their outward appearance that would tell them that something's going on with their gut, like a leaky gut? Gas, bloat, chronic infections, yeast infections, mm-hmm. um, acne. You know, we, we look at acne being driven by androgens, but also if the gut is compromised, if there's not really enough good bacteria in the gut, it interferes with um, detoxification of estrogens, which also contribute to acne. And women that have PCOS are estrogen dominant because they get this surge um, during the first half of their cycle of estrogen. Actually, LH is signaling to, for the body to ovulate. Mm-hmm but the body doesn't ovulate, so we don't have progesterone to balance out the estrogen. So it's really, really important for women to make sure that they, you know, and that their gut is, they have a healthy bacteria in the gut. And usually what I recommend for that is a probiotic with uh, lactobacillus in it. Really Mm -hmm. makes a a huge difference. But also what I see a lot with um, PCOS is that people are just achy. Mm-hmm. Their muscles are tight, and they kind of take that for granted. That's something I forgot to mention. I think you and I talked about I was in constant pain. My knees hurt. My lower back hurt. I remember when you got me on the table for acupuncture the first time, I was like uh, I was like an old woman trying to get into just a laying down position. It was incredibly, and just so everyone, I'm 31 years old. Like There's no mm-hmm. reason for me to feel that way, but I'm sure the weight had something to do with it and then what you're talking about. So... I mean, what I can do, I don't know if this, this helps at all. Do you want me to describe what leaky gut is? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, you know, your immune system resides in your gut. And what leaky gut is, it's also known as increased intestinal permeability. Mm-hmm. And that's um, a digestive condition when bacteria and toxins are able to leak through the intestinal wall. And your intestinal wall is just like a th- cell thick. And I went into this w- on the last fertility episode, but I always think it's worth repeating because I don't think people have a true understanding of what leaky gut is. Your cell wall, the small intestine, it's like 22 feet long. It is one cell thick. And you have these incredibly tight junctions right there to keep everything where it should be. And this is where you absorb your nutrients. So what happens is a variety of reasons that cause these tight junctions start to suddenly um, dismantle and dislodge. And what you get is that the gut becomes permeable, allowing bacteria and toxins back um, from the gut into the, blood, into the bloodstream. So this creates an inflammatory condition. It can also trigger autoimmune issues. Um, I see with women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, I a lot of times see psoriasis, Hashimoto's, we're going to go into that because that's something that you presently have, see a lot of thyroid issues. And I believe that part of PCOS is a state of inflammation. Anyone that has elevated insulin levels, elevated androgens, 
acne, these are signs of inflammation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, they're getting their period what I mean, like once every three months. By the time I saw you, I was I was upwards of ninety two days. Yes, you're, I remember mm -hmm. that it was ninety two days. Mm -hmm. It could be three months. It could be four months. And you get this, like you know, your body. You have this abundance of estrogen in your system because you're not ovulating, and you don't have the progesterone to balance the estrogen. Right. So. Um, I do. I, I see a lot of inflammation. I see a lot of anxiety. I see a lot of uh, depression, which is common with um, PCOS. And I believe that part of it is that a woman's, you know, your neurotransmitters are 90% of them are produced in the gut. But part of this picture that I wanted to br bring in is that a lot of women with PCOS have what's called the MTHFR gene mutation. We actually had you check for that. About 40% 40, 40 of the population has it, but a lot of women with PCOS have this condition. And basically what it is, MTHFR is an enzyme that allows you to convert folic acid and methylate folate into the active form um, via the process of, of methylation. So this enzyme allows you to utilize folate correctly. What does that mean for someone who's trying to get pregnant? Well, that's what I'm yeah, I'm sure you're getting there, but that's the biggest <laughs> question I had. I was like, okay, so, so folate's you need, important when well, it comes to pregnancy, Well, folate is right? really important, and you have, you know, you have people missing this enzyme that allows it you to access this in your cells. And what, you know, what I see with people that have an issue with, um, with folate, or I should say MTHFR, because it allows the proper usage of folate, it's one of the, it leads to uh, recurring miscarriages, depression, anxiety, um, high inflammation, impaired fat metabolism. Um, it allows you to detox estrogen. And also my concern with a lot of women with um, PCOS is that it's important to check for MTHFR, but also check if women's homocysteine levels mm -hmm. are elevated. Because women with PCOS... Um, could, you know, they're at higher risk for heart disease. They're higher risk for colon cancer. They're at higher risk for breast cancer. And women are higher risk for Alzheimer's. Mm. So, you know, one of the reasons a lot of times conventional, uh, part of conventional treatment in addressing insulin resistance is metformin. I hate metformin. Metformin also can potentially elevate a woman's homocysteine levels if that's an issue for her. So it kind of complicates things. But we all need folate. And we all need, you know, it's important to have a methylated folate that we're a able ourselves to able to access and utilize. And the problem with folic acid, it's synthetic. Mm -hmm. And it's in so many processed foods. So some physicians are still giving women high doses of folic acid when they have MTHFR issues. All they have to do is give them methylated folate. Mm -hmm. And um, sadly, I, I've had a few clients that had this issue of MTHFR, and they were on folic acid, uh, and they had miscarriage, mm -hmm. and there was neurotube defect. So this is a really, you know, this is, this is a really, really, really important issue. That's why I say to all women, please, when you buy, whether you have PCOS or not, and a lot of times the difficulty is that a lot of doctors are really resistant in testing women for MTHFR. Why? Um, I don't know the cost or they don't believe it. Mm. Um, you know, MTHFR, it's, 
you know, you need methylated folate. It's an important thing. It can lower your risk for cancer. Mm -hmm. It allows for healthy cellular division. You know, I've seen women with severe anxiety and they go on methylated folate. I get a little teared up because I've seen people do a 180 right. just by introducing methylated folate in their lives. And I treat a lot of people that have anxiety issues and that's something I look at. I look at leaky gut, I look at methylated folate. I wanna make sure people have really good levels of D, but getting back to methylated folate, nobody, no one, anyone taking a prenatal, make sure it's methylated folate. Any supplement you're taking, make sure it's methylated folate and not folic acid. And I would say 80% of the supplements out there are folic acid. Mm -hmm. And that's a big problem. Did that answer your question? It sure did. Any other questions? <laughs> well, I think it's Is interesting that, that the people that I went to see before you, the mm -hmm. practitioners that I went to see before you, did exactly what you said. So I, I was prescribed progesterone. Um, for my irregular period. And then I, you know, I got the sonogram and then I went to see an endocrinologist who put me on metformin. Um, and this is while I was seeing you and you should have heard her. She was very upset. She's like, this is not good for you. I think that what we're doing is fine, but you gave me leeway to like, yeah, I said, to you listen decide. to my doctor mm -hmm. who would, should know what's best. Right. Well, come to find out he did not. Um, so we got off metformin pretty quickly cause it was not doing anything for me. If anything, it was hindering. Cause prior to that, I mean, with you, the first few months I just dropped a ton of weight. Just, oh yeah. And I was walking oh, yeah. maybe a mile a day and then just eating. People mm -hmm. always ask me, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm eating. <laughs> I'm and eating good yeah. food. <laughs> and we're, and we're going to go into that, right. but I want to tie something into the conversation that I think is so important. Conventional treatment for PCOS is it doesn't address the root cause mm -hmm. and the root issues. And it's really hard. You know, you have someone, people with polycystic ovarian syndrome are not ovulating. So why would you put them on birth control? Because when you're on birth control, that's preventing you from ovulating. Right. You don't want to get pregnant. And um, a lot of women that I worked with were put on spironolactin to address the acne. Well, spironolactin is a diuret diuretic and it's a hypertensive medication. So women aren't deficient in this. And part of the issue too that I see is women are diagnosed with PCOS and then they're on birth control for like 10 years. So what happens, all your hormone signaling is completely wonked. You're, a lot of these women have a buildup of synthetic estrogens in their system. So I have to do a lot of detox work. But then I couple that with acupuncture and I'm gonna go into diet in a moment because I want to reinstate proper hormone sig signaling between the HPA axis and your ovaries. So everybody's communicating. So the brain's talking to the ovaries to say, it's really okay to ovulate. Mm -hmm. And that can take a while. And it can take three months, it can take five months, it can take a good year for some women to actually get regulated. Mm -hmm. So I, I say to women with PCOS, if you're in it for the long haul, and I hope you are, be patient and kind with yourself. Let's get you in a really good place so you don't, if you're deciding to have a child, so you don't have to go and start uh, considering uh, Clomid or even possibly IVF. It's really about addressing your hormones and just balancing things out. And that takes a bit of time. And um, yeah, I don't believe women are deficient in oral contraceptives, spironolactin and metformin. And the best way to really address PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I had such difficulty pronouncing <laughs> at the beginning of the show, I got it down now, <laughs> um, is that we really 
part of this, it, it, it's so important for us to take a look at people's diets. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm going to stop on this because I thought before you and I were chatting and you have had, you know, you've been in a lot of uh, PCOS um, chat rooms mm-hmm. and, and Facebook uh, groups and people have asked you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And you tell them that you've changed the way you eat and what do they say in response? Well, yeah, and these are people that like I know that are my yeah. age and have a similar weight history where they've just been constantly gaining since high school. Um, and then they're dealing with infertility. I put it out there to the world that I was kind of dealing with that issue mm-hmm. about a year ago and that if I wasn't drinking, that don't ask me to drink because that's why, because I'm like on this health journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people reached out to me after that saying, I'm there with you. Like, what are you doing? How, you know, you've lost weight. Like, hey, you look great. Like, what's going on? And when I would tell them, they would be resistant. Well, that's too much. I'm like, you know, I cut out the dairy. I cut out the wheat. Yeah. I cut out the gluten. But I get to eat all the greens I want all the protein. Like, I really don't feel that you've ever been restrictive to me in a way of like how much I can eat. It's just restrictive in what I'm eating. Well, yeah, I I think part of it for, um, is that we really have to cut out the refined carbs, Mm -hmm. the refined flours and sugars and, uh, vegetable oils, and then switch to a diet that's rich in fiber. What makes it rich in fibers? Eating a lot of leafy greens, Mm -hmm. eating a lot of broccoli. Leafy greens are high in folate. Mm -hmm. Broccoli and cruciferous vegetables like Brussels sprouts and cauliflower have a compound called endol-3-carbinol. They help you detox estrogens, which is really anyone with PCOS, that's our best friend. Mm-hmm. And um, eating a lot of healthy fats such as uh, avocado, coconut, and virgin olive oil, lean animal protein, cold water fish, fruit and berries. And again, I follow the principles of Chinese medicine. And I really, in my experience, women that are trying to overcome this insulin resistance and yo-yoing of their blood sugar and their insulin levels and their hormones, being a vegetarian or vegan, it makes it really challenging because that is more of a carb-based diet. Mm -hmm. So I really encourage women, and I've had a lot of women I've worked with that were vegetarian with PCOS, and we made beautiful strides in putting lean protein and fat um, and cold water fish, which are high in essential fatty acids, which are fabulous for hormone signaling. But even with your diet, you know, people will say, oh, I don't want to eat meat. Well, you're really eating predominantly a plant-based diet. You're eating tons of vegetables. My recommendation to women is, you know, aim for a pound of of vegetables a day. Mm -hmm. And I usually encourage women to eat a lot more cooked vegetables Mm -hmm. and um, they're easier to digest. That's a big thing because when I started with you, I was eating a lot of raw greens. We're not bunnies. I know. And that's what you told me. And I'm like, you know what I do? I'm having like digestive issues. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm having... Um, for the first time ever, whatever that is when you're reflux, like, yeah, yeah. reflux. Yeah, it's real and common. I'm like, I don't think I'm crazy, but you know, cause my husband's eating it and he feels like he's fine. And I feel like I'm not fine. Right. And I'm like, is my body just, does it, does it hate vegetables? What's happening? And you told me that it's just cause they weren't cooked. Yeah. So a lot of times what I recommend to women, and this is a jump kickstart program and, but it really, really works. I recommend when women get up in the morning within the first hour, have a stew or a soup. Well, I wanted to bring up that your breakfast soup is famous. I don't know if you know that. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh please share. <laughs> We've oh. talked about this before. So when no. people ask me the biggest change I've made, I'm like, well, I eat as soon as I get up. And I'm making sure that I'm eating protein, protein and good protein, starches protein. and lots of greens. Yeah, um, they're and like, fat. Well, how do you do that? 
well, it's breakfast soup. So like I would yeah. bring my mug in and at duty at work, I would be eating my breakfast soup. And they're like, what's in that? You know, everyone's like, what on earth is this crazy girl doing eating? But they also want to know because they see the positive changes. Yeah. Um, and it's so in our culture to eat sugar. As soon as you get up, what do yeah. you get? A croissant. What do you get? A uh, Pop-Tart. Uh, yeah. Cereal. These are all like normal things. So I think if you could speak to that, just like where that you were talking about. The well, stew. I've, yeah, I, you know, sometimes people do shakes in the morning. I mm-hmm. just don't know if that works for everyone. I, you know, people get hungry a few hours later. Well, especially with PCOS too. It's going to spike your insulin, right? Well, That's what you, you know, told you me, can do, sugar-wise. well, it depends on what the shake is, mm-hmm. but in my world, in my clinical experience, if I can get women to eat real food for breakfast, mm-hmm. um, it's going to change their world. And something I'm just going to drop in there right now. I and I mentioned this in the 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 last segment on infertility. I do a lot of food sensitivity testing. Mm-hmm. And what I find for many women that can be a potential endocrine disruptor, eggs. What do we eat for breakfast? Eggs. eggs. Um dairy, what do women eat? Yogurt. Mm-hmm. And also dairy, the casein in and dairy can actually contribute and aggravate um acne. And um Gluten. Gluten's a big issue for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We just don't digest it. It's inflammatory. So I do a lot of uh, IgG food sensitivity, sensitivity testing, which we did with you. Right. And what did we come up with? The, the biggest ones were gluten, wheat, uh, dairy, vanilla. Those were my yeah. four big ones. And then eggs were on there. Right. Um, a couple of the greens, but they were really low level. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, cup of, a couple of cold water fish, but they were really low level yeah. too. And yeah, and that usually clears up exactly. once you cut the biggies out. But I do find that if I can get women to eat a real breakfast with real food, mm-hmm. everything starts to change. Right. And after that, I have women, and depending on how unstable their blood sugar is, I will have women having a breakfast and maybe a small snack between breakfast and lunch. It could be a handful of nuts and and berries. It may be for someone, and I didn't really go into this, you know, 30% of women with PCOS have their androgen levels being driven by their adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. So that's like another show, and they're not showing cystic ovaries and they and many of them don't have insulin resistance but i still feel there's a blood sugar dance and and uh insulin issue going on i think a lot of them eventually do develop that the a lot of women like 30 percent of women with pcos are lean they're Mm -hmm. either skinny or they're you know normal weight i have to make sure that their blood sugar doesn't drop so when I'm dealing with people, you know, I want to make sure that I do have these slow burning carbs, you know, like root vegetables, fabulous, you know, like sweet potatoes and rutabaga and all these things really slow burning. So their blood sugar doesn't dip. And I want to make sure that they have really good snacks in between meals. I even say to people, make little turkey sliders with tons of vegetables in it. I don't care if you have a small bowl of chili with ground turkey, eat real food. We eat the snacky stuff that really doesn't um, keep our blood sugar stabilized. Yeah. You really had to reprogram me. If anything, like <laughs> the amount she was asking me to eat, I was, I was like, I can't win number as a teacher, when right. do you get a chance to like eat? Right. So the first thing I do is I go to my principal and I'm like, Hey, 
I'm going to have to change things around. I have to use the restroom whenever I want because <laughs> I need to drink more water and I'm going to have to eat while the kids are in. And, you know, we had that conversation, right. but you, I mean, eventually you have to start taking care of yourself or you can't do your job yeah. well. So. Yeah. And, and so, you know, my philosophy in working with women is if you take a plate, um, a circle, I want to make sure that every meal, and this includes breakfast, and this is a big change for a lot of people, but it really works. Make sure you're having two to three cups of cooked vegetables, mm -hmm. of cooked greens. Have a lean protein and um, have a slow-burning carb like a sweet potato or beets or even like a half a cup of brown rice, totally fine, or beans, and, and couple that with a tablespoon or two of fat. Women start doing this. Oh my God, I, I cannot tell you. I had a, um, you know, I've had clients that had irregular periods for two years mm -hmm. and within two months started having regular cycles. Well, and that's me. And I, mean, that's I think we were more like four or five months in. Yeah. But for the last yeah, six months, I've mm -hmm. had anywhere from a 28 to a right. 30 day, which is unheard of for me in my entire adult or woman life. I've never had consistent periods. So like just that in itself is life changing. Not to mention, we didn't go into it, but for women who are like, is this me? My, uh, menstrual cramps were terrible to the yeah. point where they were debilitating. Yeah. I would be crying. I would have headaches because of the pain. Yeah. Um, in, you know, inflammation, those yeah. are signs of inflammation. It was terrible. And I'm like, this is just yeah. normal. This is what it is because, yeah. you know, my mom told me that she had terrible cramps. Right. So I just figured that this is what being a woman was like. This is just how my life is going to be it's now. It's it's nothing. It's literally nothing like that, which when, is in yes. itself a huge change. And women, I, I have to stress this. You know, I was just talking to a good friend of mine that I work with and she's up in New York. I said, are you having cramps and passing clots? She's like, yeah, every cycle. And I take, you know, a leave. And I'm like, that's a sign of inflammation. We're going to address that. Mm -hmm. So it, you're not supposed to have cramps. You're not supposed to have uh, cl passing clots. We're not supposed to have acne. We're supposed to ovulate each month. We're close to that. And, the, you know, some of the supplements I'd really love to touch upon is that I love myo-inositol. I've been using myo-inositol with PCOS, and I give it to a lot of women that I feel have blood sugar issues. And myo-inositol decreases your androgens. It decreases testosterone. It increases insulin ses uh, sensitivity. It promotes ovulation, and it improves A quality. That's mm. pretty amazing. And I recommend women do two grams twice a day. And um, I love uh, zinc. You know, zinc is really important. I recommend maybe about 45 milligrams of zinc with a meal. It helps lower testosterone. It's great for your acne or to help resolve your acne. Fish oils are important because they reduce testosterone. Notice we're reducing the androgens with all these wonderful... Uh, all these supplements just naturally reduce androgens, and then you couple that with your diet, mm -hmm. and then everything starts to really change. So fish oils are really, they're lovely. They reduce testosterone. They make your skin really soft. They decrease inflammation, and they help regulate your menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. These are big things. And vitamin D is super, super important. So I say to women, please, you know, in terms of hormone signaling and your immune system, make sure your D levels are optimal, that you're at 60, not 30. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I love uh, Chase Berry because it really helps uh, to regulate the pituitary gland, which in turn um, basically sends chemical signals to the ovaries promoting ovulation. So, and it also promotes progesterone and balances testosterone. And um, it's such a beautiful, beautiful herb. But another thing that I really love to use is NAC, N-O-cysteine. Mm-hmm. And what's great about that, it's inexpensive. It's an amino acid. It improves insulin levels by addressing insulin resistance, supports ovulation, enhances egg quality. And it's pr- and it may be more effective than metformin. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really powerful stuff. Yes. So, so is PCOS curable? Yes. And how do you resolve PCOS? It's something you're always going to have to be paying attention to. Absolutely. Lifestyle, diet, proper supplementation, uh, eating, um, you know, all the foods that I recommended. Mm -hmm. But here's the key. You know, for this to really work, you have to be committed to eating right. Mm -hmm. You have to be committed to making sure that you're exercising and not exercising too much either. That becomes a big stressor. And I see that a lot with PCOS. Women are starting to lose weight and they're working out really hard. And that can also impact your ovulation. I feel personally attacked with that. No, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So yes, the beauty of this, I have worked with women over the years. I've worked with women that had terrible PCOS. And for the past 10 years mm-hmm. since I worked with them, have regular cycles. They yeah. don't break out anymore. One of the big problems I have with a lot of people, and I will stress this again, is, the, is acne. And people really freak out when I say, listen, I'm, I'm going to help you get off spironolactin. We're going to get you off birth control. And sometimes what I'll do is, you know, because they're really concerned about that, I'll keep them on their meds for maybe one to two cycles. And then after that, because we have everything in play, their diet, putting good bacteria in the gut, balancing the hormones, addressing any uh, underlying uh, gut issues or inflammatory issues, or if, again, if somebody has like a chronic sinus infection right. or a lung infection, we want to really address that. And, um, and then I take them off the spironolactin. Well, I think I'm evidence and, that it's working yeah. too. Well, I had one client in New York, she had the worst cystic acne, mm-hmm. and she was terrified to go off it. Mm-hmm. And after two months, she went off her spironolactin. She didn't break out at all. Wow. Yeah. It really does take that dedication. It, but you have to be dedicated mm-hmm. to making, for many women, a 180 mm-hmm. in, you know, but in the their lives. the benefits outweigh oh, the changes totally. that you're making. I mean, so like I got my same test in 2019 that I got in 2018. Mm-hmm. Liver levels, completely normal. Yay. Um, not pre-diabetic. Right. Um, like you said, I've lost close to 100 pounds. Um, what else? My, my skin, we're still working on. It's a mm-hmm. constant battle because I have a lot of high stress. You have so, high, yes, you have high stress. I know you want to talk about that. <laughs> no. Uh, well, yeah, but also, um, thyroid. Right. So and yeah, we're getting my thyroid under control. No one had ever thought to test my thyroid. Um, come to find out I have a wonderful thyroid doctor now and she's diagnosed me with Hashimoto's, which is not curable in a way, but something that you can work with to make those symptoms completely lessened for the rest well, of your life. Um, it's actually, it's, it's Brittany Henderson Mm -hmm. and, uh, she will be on the show, um, next, she actually should be on the next, uh, episode, but yeah, you can't resolve Hashimoto's. That's not true. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Another you one. can reduce those antibodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an example of that. Well, yeah. And she yeah. said that my antibody levels were normal mm-hmm. um, and that it completely was direct directed to what we had done with food. Like if mm-hmm. she had checked me a year ago before right. we had done everything with supplements and food, I'm sure it would have been a different yeah. story. And I, I think what's really important for a lot of women with, with PCOS, they're not getting the right thyroid testing. Right. So it's so really crucial that when, you know, they just check TSH. That's a huge point. Remember my endocrinologist oh my said, he was like, oh, your levels are fine. Oh, and we don't need to test MTHFR. And that's when I was like, this guy, I don't know. And then I went back to my OB who- Yeah, you, Molly Joseph. Molly we Joseth, love most Molly. <laughs> um, she you know, immediately agreed with Meg and she's like, no, let's, t- let's test for MTHFR. We need to know that if you're going to have a healthy pregnancy. Um, and that's something I wanted to hit on too, is like, I'm not currently trying to get pregnant, but I know right now that if I tried, I could, yes. um, which is huge. Cause I'm just focused on my health. I'm 31. I I'm healthy for the first time in my entire life. Yeah. And that has become like my focus. I'm so mm-hmm. excited about it, getting better and better and healthier and stronger. And, and getting back to thyroid, I, I think what's really important is because PCOS is an inflammatory condition mm-hmm. and I, I see a lot of thyroid issues and I see Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune issue and and it, you know diet is is really important but getting back to the testing it's important for doctors to check TSH free T3 free T4 TPOs antibodies and do a sonogram of the thyroid nobody checks the actual thyroid mm-hmm. So I'm really excited that Brittany Henderson mm-hmm. will That's be immediately on. what she did. She had the yeah. same questions you had, which yeah. made me feel comfortable that I had two people who I know are intelligent <laughs> who are taking care of my health thinking the same thing. Yeah. And both in this broader sense, like Brittany's really wonderful because she's thinking open-minded to like holistic health yeah. rather than this is a thyroid and that's all I'm focusing on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's really big. And guess what happens when you change your diet? and you change a leaky gut, those antibodies drop. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. And why are we concerned with antibodies? Because it means that the thyroid, you know, the body's attacking itself. It's attacking the thyroid. Right. And the issue with a, a leaky gut is that you, if there's a predisposition, a genetic predisposition to something, that's where it shows up. Mm-hmm. And like in my family, it shows up in thyroid. And I think my thyroid... Um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm taking a compound, but I don't have antibodies and other issues because I've really taken good care of my health. Right. So Meg, if I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh my God, this is me, this, this, this conversation that they're having is outlining me. What do I do? What is the first thing that I can do? Cause I know I felt very lost and scared and kind of hopeless. Everything that we suggested here. Right. And, and I really, I mean, and I also do feel that any woman with uh, PCOS, she could really, really benefit in, you know, having a session or a few sessions with me or someone like me that's Mm -hmm. going to guide her. It's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, what exercise, the the best example, you, you, you know, I say sometimes work with a personal trainer so he and she can show you proper form. Right. Work with somebody who really understands polycystic ovarian syndrome, who can be a true advocate, who sits down with you, or I work remotely with people, and we get to go over things and tweak how they're eating and their supplements. And you know what's really fabulous with that? Once people, women, understand how to eat and what to do, they take off and things change. They get empowered. They get excited about seeing the changes. And sometimes it's very hard for women to do it on their own. Oh, definitely. It's really difficult. So well, it's, it's an accountability measure, measure too. Yes. Like, 
That's big for someone who's but been really, living a life you know, of the same thing. Honestly, if you really want to start, um, it's how you how are you eating? What supplements are you taking to stabilize your blood sugar? One I did leave out is chromium bicolinate. Mm. It's fabulous and it's inexpensive. And on the conservative end, I would say to women, you know, do 200 uh, micrograms with each meal. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really going to support you. Making sure you take a fabulous multivitamin with minerals in it. How do you know it's fabulous? Well, um, I... That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually the the, um, the vitamins that I recommend are high grade nutraceutical companies. Mm-hmm. So you know, I myself I, I really like Metagenics. I like Numedica. I love Designs for Health. I love Pure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Pure. So you can't Pure just hasn't. go to Whole Foods and look at well, something and be like, "This I, is going to be great." You know, I, I hate to say it. Here's the difference. With a lot of uh, nutraceutical companies, there's, uh, and I know one of the companies, and I'm not doing this just to promote Metagenics, but I am going to use it as an example because I use a lot of their their supplements to work with women with PCOS, and they really, really work. They really do. They source a lot of their raw materials from Europe. Why? Because so many things are genetically modified in this country, including, you know, there's so many pesticides and they want to make sure that whatever they source is really clean and good quality. And that's important for anyone. So, uh, yeah, invest the money and get a better quality um, probiotic, uh, multivitamin. I think that's prenatal. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it really makes a, a huge difference. So like currently we're still on this health journey together, but I, it's something to be said for sitting, I would seen so many practitioners and I, you know, just one OB comes into my mind that I saw in college and she sat me down, brought me into her office after I had a gyno exam and she starts telling me that I'm obese. Um, and that, and I, you know, I make the excuse, you know, I'm really busy. I'm really stressed. I just don't know how to eat well. And she's like, well, that's not an excuse. I went through a doctoral program and I didn't gain weight. So you're just lazy and you need to get it together. Oh my God. And I remember just looking that's at her horrible. and crying and just being so like overwhelmed and not knowing what to do. And this is what was at the beginning where I was really realizing that I was having irregular periods and my skin was going crazy. Um, and I left and I obviously never went back cause she, <laughs> she hurt my feelings. Um, but that was the kind of relationship I had with practitioners. So going to Meg was a huge step. I'm like, I need someone who sees the full picture and sees me and isn't just trying to fix one small thing. So of course, she knows she's like, I think you have PCOS and I go in there. And then finally I'm just dealt with compassion. Um, again, I cried because I was just really upset about where I was and I wanted to be better. And instead of being demeaning, I feel like you really showed me so much compassion and you showed me a road. You showed me a huge path and you didn't, you know, make it seem like this path was going to be easy. Um, but you also showed me the specific steps to get to where I am now. Um, and I really appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Huge. And you've, it's been, I always tell everyone that you're a magician. My life has changed because of what we've done together. So thanks. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. No, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I, I really, I love, thank you so much. It's been such, I I really do mean this, it's been such an honor to work with you because you've always shown up every step of the way with me. And that's the beauty of healing. And you get to share that with other people in your life. And you're becoming um, an example 
of what people can be if they start making these changes. And you're right, when I work with women with PCOS, I do it in stages. It's not all over the place. Mm -hmm. I wanna make sure that I am addressing their gut issues. I wanna make sure that we're addressing the stress and the anxiety in their lives, and that we're addressing hormone signaling and blood mm -hmm. sugar, and looking at ways for women to get excited about eating well. And when they do this, their lives change. Mm -hmm. PCOS can be an incredible gift for a woman because it can teach her how to be the most magnificent mother she can be to herself. And self-care is profound and self-nurturing because then she can create a ripple effect in her family and her community, as you have done. Seriously. It's so powerful. It is. So, Jessica, thank you so much for being here. This was a wonderful uh, podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> and um, if anyone has any questions, I'd so love to hear from you. And I'm sure many women, you know, if you're listening and you have PCOS, please reach out because you can really get the help that you need to um, have an amazing life. And you don't have to live with this. You really don't. You can turn the madness off. And hopefully we did some of that today. Also, if you'd like to work with me, give me a call or reach out to me by email, megrichichi at gmail.com. So love to hear from you. So you've been listening to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. And if you'd like to subscribe or rate and review this, this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you um, can get this podcast, please do. Would love uh, for more and more listeners to uh, be part of this series and be part of this community of great change in women's lives. So until we meet again in two weeks, I want to extend many blessings, a lot of grace, a lot of love, and everyone rock on. Be well.